so as I got into the Enneagram and I began to understand that, I felt like I I understood my world of friendships in a way that I had not been before. As I looked at my family of origin, I could understand the personalities there that I've interacted with in my whole life. I understood my husband in a whole new light. This was amazing. I'm Yvette Walker, the host of the Positively Joy podcast, where we discover that joy is not a feeling, it's faith. You can find previous episodes at PositivelyJoy.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. However you found yourself here, you are welcome, and I believe it was truly God-destined. We are in Season 3, and this season has taken the podcast into the vantage point of what joy is. I'd like you to listen to each episode this season through the lens of how Jesus Christ defines joy. John chapter 15 verse 11 reveals this when Jesus tells us to keep the Father's commandments and abide in His love. Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Enjoy, and I pray you receive the message the Father has for you. An Enneagram? What's an Enneagram? It's a personality test developed to help people better understand themselves and the people around them. But unlike some personality tests, many people in the faith community are using the Enneagram to help understand how they can be a better person, a better parent, and even get closer to God. Me, I'm a three-wing two. You'll learn what that means in a moment. Amy Wicks, blogger, podcaster, and creator of the online community Simply Wholehearted, talks about the Enneagram today. Here's Amy. Hi, Amy. Thank you so much for appearing on the show today. Thank you, Yvette. I am so excited to be here. It's going to be so much fun. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when I saw your specialty, I just thought we're going to have a lot of fun talking today. Absolutely. I am no expert. You're the expert, but I just find it very fascinating. I want to get my husband to take the Enneagram test. He he hasn't taken it yet. I'm very curious, but uh, we're just going to talk about the Enneagram today. And I love that because I love personality type tests anyway. I've done Myers-Briggs. I've done some of the other ones, but I love the Enneagram because of its connection to faith. Mm-hmm. And that is really, that's certainly important to me. Uh, and I think that if we can talk about our personality types as they related to our faith. Oh my goodness. We can learn so much about ourselves, right? Amen, sister. <laughs> yes. Okay. So so before you get into all that, let's let our listeners find out a little bit about you. So if you could just tell us a bit about yourself and maybe your walk in faith. Yeah. Well, I currently live in the Midwest. So Kansas City, Missouri. I have three kids and I'm married to an arborist. And an arborist climbs trees and trims them, cuts them down (laughs) for part of the year. And then he also plants, he gets the privilege of planting trees as well. But, you know, my, my faith journey is one that maybe some people would find ordinary, but as you and I have talked about, there's those little pieces of extraordinary that are so unique to us and, and how Christ speaks to us. But um, for me, I grew up in a pastor's home. And so I heard about Jesus from when I was, you know, in my mother's womb <laughs> kind of deal. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and, but, you know, growing up, 
in a pastor's home has its challenges as well, as you can imagine. So, you know, it could have been this just tradition, this thing I did, this thing I had to do. But in my high school years, I went through a crisis of faith, a lot of it having to be connected with my health. And it, it was a health journey that was super frustrating. And it was um, it was one of those that there was just so many questions and not a lot of answers. And it was a lot of ups and downs. And as a, as a teenage girl, my emotions and my self-worth were really wrapped up into this health crisis. And the Lord didn't really solve the health crisis as much as he met me in it. Mm. I discovered him as my best friend. And it was through that friendship. And I even, you know, like, practices reading the Psalms for comfort and little rhythms of faith like that, that really planted seeds that have continued to grow and flourish over the years. So I ended up in a ministry internship, um, for lack of a better term, in my college years. And that was also a marker in my faith. And interestingly enough, it wasn't a super spiritually healthy <laughs> uh, really? internship, but the Lord met me in that. You know, I I think that's the thing that all of us need to, to see how the Lord can use hard things. And of course, I don't think he, I don't think he puts hard things on us, but I think he can use these hard moments of our story where he can encounter us. But um, it's because of that internship and because of people I met through that and ministry I received, I was able to unpack some early childhood trauma and some different things that continue to grow and enrich my faith. And from that, really, it's been little markers, whether it was um, job and career challenges that drew me closer to him, becoming a mom. Whoa, that was a season where it kind of took me out of all of my comfort zones, put me in what was really wonderful, yet really challenging and has grown my faith even more. And I would say too, I'm going through um, a crisis, not a crisis of faith, but a, a family crisis that is really bringing me to my knees in an even deeper and more profound way. And the Lord is really meeting me in that. And so I know that I've got to believe that even though right now this season is hard in some ways, I'm going to look back five, 10 years down the road and be like, well, that was a, a time where I really encountered the Lord. Mm. So I, I love that you said the little pieces of extraordinary, I, that that is really, really connecting with me. Mm. Um, because as you and I talked about before, even ordinary situations. Well, first of all, he's everywhere. God is everywhere. Yes. He is in every situation from the ordinary situations to the extraordinary. Uh, and sometimes those ordinary situations are extraordinary because they are going to touch mm -hmm. us in a way that we didn't expect and that we can meet him. Amen. And I'm sorry that you're going through what you're going through now, but in a way I'm not sorry because you just said it's brought you to your knees, and that means you're connecting with him. Absolutely. And while we don't wish for tragedy and we don't mm -hmm. wish for, for things to go wrong, sometimes that's the only way that we can make a connection that we need to with him. And so I know that he's going to see you through it, and so I'll pray for you. Thank you. And know that that his will will be done, certainly. Amen. I agree. And I really felt his kindness and as um, a small circle of people kind of know what's going on, that they have just prayed me through it. And I, I just, it's just amazing how the Lord really is close to the brokenhearted. And um, he can help us carry burdens that we can't ourselves and we couldn't imagine we could. 
Mm-hmm. And I also love how you said that he became your best friend, because when we talk about God, we talk about we talk about him as our father, as our savior, as our as our king, all these things. But I love that, that, you know, he's also our best friend. And that just is beautiful. Absolutely. I have a lot of moments in my life where I was lonely and friendship's really important to me and my personality. That's an area of my life that I want to have thriving all the time. But it every season doesn't afford that element of our life always to thrive. And that friendship can seem really barren. It can feel like a driveway wasteland. But I I do believe the Lord wants to encounter us in a way that he's like, I am the best friend that you can always count on and will always be there. Mm, amen. Amen. I, I really do believe that. So you mentioned personality, so let's get into it. Yes, let's do it. (laughs) And while I don't expect to be on your couch during this episode, (laughs) I know I'm going to learn a lot from you. So feel free. Let's go there. Yeah, exactly. Let's (laughs) go there. (laughs) So Enneagrams. So how did you get involved in Enneagrams? Well, I love typology stuff. Personality tests are my Mm -hmm. jam. I'm a little bit of a geek and a nerd when it comes to those things. I always have been. It's fascinated me. Mm -hmm. They've always been just so much fun to me and really fascinated me. My parents, when I was in high school, came back from some sort of church conference and was talking about like the Gary Smalley had some animal personality quiz. I don't even have the right name for it, but I just remember they were talking about otter and beaver and golden retriever and lion. That was the other one. And um, I don't know, it just was, it was just this like fun way to better understand. I think there was some curiosity with self-awareness. I think there tends to be curiosity with self-awareness when you're younger and we get a little bit callous or we, we are busy or we're told that maybe our opinions and our thoughts don't matter as we grow older. In fact, we're often told we need to be or do or act a certain way. And so mm-hmm. we begin to f- just fill the molds that are put out for us, whether it's in our career, or for our families, our friends, our community, our culture that we're in, instead of really thriving how the Lord created us originally. Mm. So I, I think that's kind of a fun thing to keep in mind in all of this. So I heard about the Enneagram. And when I first heard it, it was um, someone named Annie. And I thought she was saying Anneagram, and I thought she created a personality test. I was like, that's cool. I'll check out this Anneagram. And so Ennea means nine in Greek, and gram just means diagram. Uh, so that, that'll that help people hear what it is that we're saying. And um, I, you know, I started doing some research, looking at it. I thought it was really fun. And then I got the biggest piece about the Enneagram that helped me understand why that typology set itself apart from all the other ones. And it was because it helped uncover why you do what you do, Mm. not just what you do, because you and I might both be podcasters, but why we do it has a whole nother motivation, not only the call from the Lord, but a motivation in our heart. For me, it's just fun. And and that's why I like doing it. And that's my motivation. And that's my big win. Um, For you, it's probably something totally different. And so as I got into the Enneagram and I began to understand that, I felt like I I understood my world of friendships in a way that I had not been before. As I looked at my family of origin, I could understand the personalities there that I've interacted with in my whole life. I understood my husband in a whole new light. This was amazing. 
Well, and at the time I had and still do, I had this really awesome summer program for moms and it's called the Super Summer Challenge. And I teach moms groups and I, you know, have an online course and all that sort of thing. But the big obstacle that I would come up against is people would, moms would say, well, that's just how you are. That's just your personality. You can do it. I can't do this sort of thing. And I'd be like, mm. no, 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 you can do it. And I I really, for me, as I realized more and more the conversations I was having with moms because of this one program that I had to offer, I kept hearing them say over and over again about how they didn't think that they were the right mom for their kids and that they weren't cut out for this. And maybe God should have given her, their kids another mom or should have given them different kids. And just wow. the, yeah, the discounting of their role as a mom. And while they loved it, a lot of times it was just like, wait a minute, it's it's not what I thought it was going to be. It's harder or it's just different. Or I said I was never going to do these things. And then here I am doing the same thing I said I would never do. <laughs> and, and in all of that, I felt that the Enneagram was an amazing tool to help moms better understand their personality. Women in general, I have all sorts of women in my program who are not necessarily moms in all seasons of life. And it, it better explains and articulates their motivation and their superpowers, which I'm big on. Like we got to run in those lane that the Lord has given us, not somebody else's lane. Mm-hmm. And, and to just be able to also come to those broken places, the things about how we're wired that we know aren't healthy and take them to the Lord and have Jesus encounter them. So through all of that, I could better just understand and empower other women to love the personality that the Lord has given them and and to run in the lane that the Lord has marked out for them and to know that they are the best mom for their kids. Mm. That just almost broke my heart. Just, I'm not a mom, but I just can't imagine someone thinking and being a mom that really consume a a huge part of you for you to think that you weren't right for your children. That's just Mm -hmm. really sad. Well, you know, when your kids do those things that you can't understand and you're Mm -hmm. like, that's not how I'm raising them. Or, you know, for me, it started early on when I had read all the books and, but my babies didn't sleep the way the books told me to, or the way they Mm -hmm. were supposed to. And I thought there was something wrong with me. There must be something wrong with me that I can't figure this out and I can't get them to sleep. And it was so frustrating and defeating. And I just thought, you know, I'm not cut out for this. I can't. I can't be a mom to these kids. And and so it's just little lies like that where Satan can get in because he wants to steal your joy even as a mom, right? You know, Mm -hmm. and he wants to plant those seeds of doubt in your role that, you know what, the Lord has actually called you to this. This is way bigger than just, oops, you, you know, you happen to get pregnant or you really wanted to and you finally did, but it's not turning out the way you thought it would. Amazing, amazing. So you talked a little bit about the programs you have for moms. So I want to tell people um, that you are behind Simply Wholehearted. Yes. And you have a website, simplywholehearted.com. Can they be yes, there? Yes, ma'am. You got it. Yeah. And find out a lot about what you do and your coaching and things like that, which centers around the Enneagram. So when I first learned about the Enneagram, it was through my church. Oh, awesome. And all, you know, a lot of churches do experiment with different personality tests, we had the DISC, the D-I-S-C yes, test at uh-huh. first, and then we had a then we had a spiritual gifts test. So when I first came to this church, um, because I was getting involved and I wanted to be a part of the church and get involved in leadership, you know, we would take these tests. And so I took the DISC test and I also took the spiritual joy. And the next I heard about the Enneagram and I didn't really know what that was or much about it. 
And um, so kind of on my own, I looked it up and I said, okay, I'll take this test and discovered that I was a type three. And so I said, okay. And I read, you know, what that is. And here I have, I have it called up here on my phone. Let's make sure I'm get, getting it right. Yeah. What I liked about it was there's threes who are healthy. Yes. And then threes who are not healthy. So the idea of being healthy or also being stressed or stress-free. Yes. Yes. And I think that makes sense because when I took Myers-Briggs, I am definitely an extrovert. So I'm an ENFP. Okay. Extroverted, intuitive, feeling, perceptive person. I mean, and the words, the words are the words, but when you read into it, I, I think that does describe me. However, I'm not perfect, Yvette, all the time. I mean, there are times when I'm- <laughs> Darn st- it, right? <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, there are times when I'm stressed out or not feeling good or or- or, or angry or jealous or the things mm-hmm. that we shouldn't be. I mean, you know, those things happen. Yeah, that's real. And yep. so it, it makes sense that your typing would also change somewhat. Well, the typing won't change, but just how you react would change because you're not the same person all the time. Yeah. So this made a lot of sense to me. It really did. Yeah. That you can be, that you're, you know, you're a type, but you show yourself in these ways when you're doing great. And then these other ways when you're not. And that just made a lot of sense to me. Me too. And how I really have come to term it and how I use it in our coaching, because the root of this for me, while the Enneagram itself is just a tool and not not faith itself, right? In conjunction with our faith in Christ, it can be a really helpful resource. But how I have coined some of it is, are we living as adopted and beloved or are we living as an orphan? Are we living like we have to do it all on our own away from God? Or are we living as his daughter and his beloved that he delights in and that everything is available to us? It just articulates it because we know that that's, and and I can't say that in every church, but that is something as, you know, women going after women of God, we've heard some of that terminology and we, we can go, oh yeah, but you know, I act a certain way when I am not living as beloved by God. And then I act something different. Well, the Enneagram spells it out. Like Mm -hmm. you're going to probably do this, this, and this, or feel this, this, and this when you're not living as beloved or as adopted by God. And then, you know, but then here, this is what thriving looks like. This is when you're really, you know, walking and filled with the spirit and you're walking and you're calling and how the Lord uh, has created you. And just to be able to see those stark contrasts is super helpful. So you can, you can kind of have this like, it's like a having this bumper lane in your mind. When you know you start going off the road, you know, you hit those little divots in the road. This is like, da, 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 and you're like, oh, it got to self-correct. And I feel like the Enneagram helps you do that. When you understand like what unhealthy looks like, what it looks like to live as an orphan, you can go, oh, wait a minute. That's orphan thinking. That's stinking thinking. I need to get myself back, you know, going, oh, I need to live as beloved. Remind me, Lord, what you what you have to say about me and to me and for me. I really love that. So again, I am going to get on the couch a little bit, but let's yes. can we talk about the nine. Yeah. Just even the description. Can you take us through the nine really quickly? And then we yes. can come back to three. Definitely. Yes. This is great. When you're first starting out, to, you know, it can feel a little bit overwhelming. Take one bite at a time. So I'm going to just go through real quick, give you a name and a little bit of a description about them. But just know right off the bat, this is just a sound bite. So you got to yeah. give yourself time. It's a narrative 
tradition. That means you got to have conversation. And that's even how I test. I, I, a lot of times don't recommend, you can take the regular test by all means. You know, it has really helped you. For a lot of people, it's created more confusion. They're not as self-aware. They haven't done a lot of, you know, counseling or soul work. So it can be hard to answer them honestly. But if we're doing a high view of that, we're going to start at um, the nine, because that's kind of fun to start So um, if you see the Enneagram, by the way, when you start looking it up as believers, I know at first it can be off-putting. It's the symbol that is stars and, you know, it's kind of a star shape and it's connected. And I know when I first saw it, I thought, whoa, what is this thing? (laughs) But rest assured, it's not some like pentagram, not something evil symbol. There's just lines connecting it. And um, there's actually a fun story about the connection, which we won't dive in today, but it helps explain it. So the Enneagram 9, the person who leads as a 9, is known as the peacemaker. And Mm. they have a desire for serenity. They also bring that as a superpower. And when they're operating in their God-given gifts, I like to distinguish it. They might sometimes be called a peacekeeper, but to me, a peacekeeper just stands there with their back towards the chaos, kind of almost ignoring it and looking ahead, trying to find peace. Whereas a peacemaker looks into the chaos and looks where they are needed and can make a difference and create peace and bring serenity. And I I think that's a really critical point. Uh, The type eight is known as the challenger. And with all of these, again, there's a lot of varying names out there, but these are some of the classic ones I'll share today. And the challenger, well, they tend to live up to their name. A challenger can be such a great thing. Again, like the peacemaker, right? They can go in and create something. The challenger can challenge the norm. I like to call them just the ones who really live up to the scripture about defending the defenseless, like taking on that characteristic of God, of protector and defender and going in there and making a difference. And they are passionate and they are fiery and um, they can, even for them, oftentimes intimacy is communicated through kind of having some arguments, like having a good deep debate for them is like, woo, that was fun. (laughs) That smells love to them. (laughs) Um, And I, I love eights. It's my wing. And I have a lot of great eight girlfriends, in fact, who I appreciate deeply. All right. The next one is we're going kind of backwards here is the seven. They're known as the enthusiast, and I happen to lead as a seven. It took me a while to figure it out. I was in denial for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) I was all over the place. But the seven, they have a fear of being bored or limited and actually being left, you know, to deal with pain, uh, which that can be a problem. It can create them to run away. But what I see as the positive is that they come into situations and they bring a lot of joy in life and enthusiasm. Uh, They can, are not just cheerleaders and champions for everyone else, but they also can be for God's purposes and people. And I think that can be just a wonderful quality about the enthusiasts. Um, The sixes are known as the loyalists and they are, man, they are your true blue people. They sometimes get a bad rap for being fearful. Now here's the deal. Sixes can be fearful and tend to live in that, but when they're running in their superpower, they are the ones who can help us figure out the the best way to take care of the what-if scenarios. They're constantly, they have what I call an inner committee, and they're always thinking about the possible scenarios for things. So they're the friend you want to go to target with 
if there's a fire, because they will have already figured out what the exits are, the emergency exits are, and they are going to get you exactly where you need to go. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I love sixes. They're, They're fabulous. Now, the five is known as the investigator, and they're the one who has an insatiable appetite for knowledge. They love to research and learn and explore. It might be YouTube or it might be a Britannica encyclopedia collection. That is their jam, if you will. And they're they're thorough and they can go really, really deep and wide when it comes to understanding things. Um, That can be their superpower, right? Because there is a world of knowledge out there and information to give, and they can be some of our best teachers, our strategists. But sometimes the five get so excited about gathering knowledge, they stay gathering their knowledge and they don't share it. They can tend to keep it close, keep it to themselves, even maybe out of fear for thinking that if they start sharing this knowledge, they may find, oh, wait a minute, but I didn't find out this and I didn't gather out this. But to all my fives out there, my five is my line of growth. I want to be more like you. So share, share your knowledge with the world. We need people like you. And they also have that sense of challenging the norm. And that's their investigating skills can help us go, okay, what's really the truth here in this situation when um, as a journalist, you appreciate that because, you know, that's important. We got to get the the real yeah. truth out there. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah. The four is known as the individualist. They often get labeled as, well, if someone's just hearing about the Enneagram and they go, oh, well, I'm a creative. I have to be an individualist. Well, here's the deal. We're all creative, sister. We are all creative gifts. It looks different, all sorts of form and fashion. But the the four itself just has a distinct eye for beauty, for seeing the unique elements out there in the world and kind of the the typically unseen parts of our lives, in particular feelings. Mm. They are deep feelers and they're great at sitting. Like their gift is to, I have a couple of four friends that, you know, I'm going through a hard time and they're the people I know I can vox and they will sit with me in that pain. They will let me cry. They will be saying, now, now, there, there, I get you, I feel you. And they do, and uh, they really do. And And so for the four, they're, their stro- that's their superpower and that's their strength. Where the weakness comes in is when they think they have to carry that burden. And that those feelings, they need to always take to the Lord and know that that's, that's not theirs to carry. That's not their burden to carry. It's for them to walk alongside the Lord in their strength and that and offer that to people. I can, I can say a lot about fours. I think fours are fabulous. That gives you a little, little peek. And now the threes, we love the threes. The threes are known as the achievers. They are driven go-getters. They have a plan in mind and they are really good at sticking to the plan. And that's what I admire about threes. And that's also when I finally figured out, oh, I'm not a three. I can barely stick to the plan. You need to like hem me in and keep me focused, but my blinders on. I'm not good at doing that. Um, but but threes, like the the goal-driven 
action-oriented is such a blessing, right? They know how to get things done, and they also know how to call that out in other people. I love how um, a lot of, you know, threes, when they're really healthy and they're doing this out of the goodness of their heart for the Lord, like unto the Lord instead of themselves, because they can be glory stealers. Like I kind of call that, like they could be looking for the glory, but when they're healthy, they're looking to bring God all the glory and they know it's for their Mm. good and their benefit. But when they're sitting with other people, they, they have this amazing gift and insight to see how other people are called and what they're best life can be and what their calling maybe should be or what their success path is for them, which is really, really cool. I, I need more threes in my life to sit me down and be like, hey, girl, this is the, this is a plan. You stick to it. <laughs> this is what you need to do. And the twos, the twos are our darlings of the Enneagram. Oftentimes, they're known as the helpers. Now, this is something I think is interesting to know as women of faith, a lot of women in the church naturally, as they read the Enneagram, they read the description of the two and they go, oh, that's me. Well, oftentimes that is because that seems to be the esteemed cultural role that women are sort of asked to play. And it's very interesting. You'll have to dive into it to yourself to see if that's true for your culture. Every, you know, every culture has a little bit difference, but for me, it seems to be in the circles I run in. A lot of women at first, when they hear the Enneagram, they're like, oh, I'm a two. And then we start talking and I'm like, girl, you are not a two. (laughs) You might wish you were a two, but you are not a two. (laughs) Um, And the twos, they, you know, they are amazing helpers. They tend to see the needs and they are quick to do that. But the problem is they are often so focused on taking care of other people's needs that they lose themselves in the process, Mm. that they're not taking care of their needs and they're not going after their dreams. And they need women like you who are going to say, hey, girl, you've got a calling. You've got something on, you know, that you need to be doing not just always making it happen for other people. And sometimes that is people's calling is like, that's the lane that they're supposed to be in because they are this amazing support role to someone who is out there, you know, going after it. So uh, the twos are known as the helper. And then the ones, last but not least, they're known as the perfectionist. But let me tell you, I did a podcast not that long ago and Every type struggles with perfectionism in one form or another. It's not just these the poor Enneagram ones that get that bad rap. But the perfectionists, their cool superpower is that they see what needs to be fixed out there. They'll walk into the room. They'll be having a conversation with people. And they know right away what needs to be fixed and what needs to be done. And they, too, have a go-getter element about them. And they're going to make those changes. They're going to do it. But sometimes people feel a little fixed in the process, or they feel like something's broken with them and that their loved one who's a one is always trying to fix them. And hey, can't, can't I be good enough? (laughs) (laughs) But I, I like to call Enneagram ones responsibility advocates, because I think they help remind us what needs to be done and how to get that job done, how to make a list and how to work from the right direction on the list. And uh, ones are powerhouses as well, but that gives you a little idea of all nine types. So I mentioned already that I'm a three and I've taken the tests and I think there are different tests out there, but I've taken the test yes. a couple of times and I have come up as three wing two. Okay. So let's talk about what the wings are and how that works. Yeah, this is super fun. I love talking about it. Well, oftentimes it's funny because I'll talk to someone who's newer to the Enneagram and they're like, oh yeah, I'm a four wing one. 
And I just smile and I nod. I'm like, oh, okay. Because here's the deal. Wings are just like that. Just like an insect, the wing are on either side of the body or like the bird, right? Either side of the body. You don't have one like diagonal and upside down and everything. (laughs) I mean, maybe a mohawk, right? (laughs) I I used to say, I think I'm a three-wing nine. No, that's not possible. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, I got you, girl. Yep, yep. But you go to a nine in stress. Mm-hmm. So right. that. that's, that's yep. where I got that confused. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's totally okay. Just laugh about it. It's totally normal. So once you figure out your dominant type, which I like to call what type do you lead in life? Because we have all nine types because we're created in the image of God and each type reflects the characteristics of God. Now, God is more than nine types, right? He is infinity and beyond, you know, but we just get these like nine baby examples of amazingness and the magnitude of who God is and his personality. So in those, as you figure out what type you lead as and your, your dominant type, then you look at the numbers at either side and see which one most resonates with you. Mm -hmm. Now for you, like you said, when you did some exploration, the three wing two felt like it made more sense to you. And what I, when I'm talking to someone about the Enneagram, I believe that my school of thought is that we are given and born with a personality and that is just nature. But our life, our family of origin, our environment, the nurture aspect really develops our wings accordingly. Sometimes some people may not feel like they resonate with their wings and they're just very much the like focused dominant number. And that's mostly them. For me, I would say I would maybe naturally be more six wing, but the things in my life have made me a lot more eight wing. And Mm -hmm. so I'm a seven wing eight, I would say that I tend to operate in. But when I am teaching the Enneagram or I'm using my coaching stuff, I have this lesson called stop flying in circles. Because the deal is if we have only one wing, well, we're probably going to go around in circles. And that's not very fun. You get dizzy, you get sick, and you might puke. (laughs) (laughs) So I think our wings are like salt and pepper. And the idea is you need a little bit of both to add some flavor. And of course, we naturally will have an inclination and we have to learn to expand and broaden our horizons. Maybe we need a little bit more pepper. You know, let's try it out. Maybe a little bit at a time, you know, try it a little bit at work and then a little bit at home. And then before you know it, you might be like, oh, this loyalist side to me is like, it's getting strong. And now I'm thinking through things a little bit better instead of just like all over the place Mm -hmm. and, you know, not being as responsible. But as you read those, I think it's just kind of fun how you can strengthen, um, just even be more full of the superpowers that, you know, we have available to us and really through the power of his Holy Spirit. Mm. So I mentioned that I found out about the Enneagram through my church and the websites that I've seen, you know, actually do connect it with faith. So we know that, as you said, Enya is Greek for nine and Graham is just a diagram. But but how did this come to take its role in places of faith? Yeah, that's an amazing question. And I would say this, refer to it just because of time. I have a three-part series called Should Christians Use the Enneagram? It's a podcast series. It's three short ones. They're under 10 minutes. But it helps spells this out a little bit more than what I'm going to give you today. But to give mm-hmm. you a sample... What we know of the Enneagram is that it's this ancient tool, maybe even dating back to like ancient Egypt. I mean, like far back, because a lot of this, what this tool was a narrative tradition. It wasn't written down until 
a group of Jesuits got a hold of it and they chose to write down some of these teaching and to relate it to holy ideas, whether it was fixations, passions, which we would call sins, and characteristics of God, how we reflect God, just several different elements of faith as they practice it and how they would relate it to the Enneagram. From there, it passed to a couple other people who have like complicated names um, <laughs> and some of it then got expanded. And then it it came over to the U.S. back in the 70s because it was first gathered in the 60s um, by these Jesuit priests. And then in the 70s, it started to make its way to Berkeley, California, which is, you know, kind of a notorious place for a lot of things. <laughs> and from there, it started as like a small group and it was supposed to remain secret. Well, People started talking and taking it with them and teaching on it. And there was even factions and divisions in that group of how they disagreed, how it was supposed to be taught. Should it be secret or not? And all that sort of stuff. Because part of the process that makes it, I think, a really great thing to partner with a spiritual guide or a coach or use it in your faith practice is that because it's a narrative, it's a self-awareness discovery. It's not just this, hey, I took a test. Now I'm going to wear a t-shirt and get my mug and identify it because ultimately it's about the mass we wear. Mm. And the whole purpose, as we know in our faith and, and through the word of God, is that we're supposed to take off those masks. Again, live as beloved, live as, as the daughter of the king who delights in you exactly how he made you. And so it's in that process that it's just kind of evolved through those teachings where different factions got a hold of it and taught it their way in that way. Um, for me specifically, Jeff and Beth McCord, they're known as your Enneagram coach. Well, they were pastors for a long time. They started like 20 years ago using the Enneagram, like with just counseling, real, you know, informal marriage counseling and things like that, and found it to be a really helpful tool, found it helpful for their marriage. And they, they along with a few others, have taken it and used it in connection with a faith-based perspective, which is really important. Because like I said, it has been taken in what I would say corrupted, if you will. I mean, it's a it's a tool. Again, it's a resource. And I'm not one to say, well, just because music isn't under a Christian label doesn't mean it, it can't be sacred and holy and draw me closer to the Lord, right? The Lord's the originator of that. And so he can use that beauty and that creation to draw me in awe of him. Well, I kind of feel like it it's this way. I mean, you know, this is just a tool and a resource that I think he gets really delighted if we use it to grow closer to him. Mm. Well, you certainly have a lot of knowledge yourself. You recently, I think, celebrated your fourth anniversary on your podcast. I did. I did. Yeah. yeah. Simply Wholehearted. It's the longest running podcast to offer godly perspective, faith-based Enneagram insights, and plans to help Mothers thrive in particular, although I yes. think it could be helpful for a lot of people. Absolutely. In particular, mothers. So, uh, yes, I want to shout that out. I think that's great. And people can check out that podcast, uh, Simply Wholehearted, and also go to your website where they can learn about programs that you have and uh, coaching programs and other things like that. So that's pretty awesome. And, you know, we could talk a lot more, but we could spend, well, you know, and I even thought about this, but there's no way to do this. <laughs> but I even thought about, you know, taking nine episodes to talk about each one. And that's, that's I'm really with impossible. You, girl. <laughs> I know. I mean, I, I wish we could. But um, let's just go back to the three a little bit since that's me. Yes. And I tell you what. So, you know, I think as a human being, when we first take these tests and we answer the questions, you know, as honestly as we can. Yes. When we see it, 
I think we try to look at the good first, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, the achiever. So that's the title of mine. Obviously that's pretty strong and powerful. Like, yeah, I'm an achiever, you know? <laughs> right. You know, and then uh, success oriented, pragmatic, adaptive, excelling, driven, all those are good. And then image conscious. And that's where we start going down that hole. <laughs> I get you, right? And it's like, well, oh, shoot. I yeah, I know, right? I don't like to, you know, I don't want to say that I'm that person, but, you know, but yeah, I can be that person. I mean, I can be the person that I want everyone to like. I, I do mm-hmm. care about what people think about me. I say that I don't, but I'd be lying if I, if I, because we, we all do to some degree, but absolutely, yeah, you know, I want to do my best. I want people to see me as having value. I mean, yeah, Mm -hmm. but when I'm stressed, then that becomes less of a positive and more of a, of a worrisome thing. Like I tend Mm -hmm. to fixate and worry about that. And that's, you know, that's when I'm not healthy. That's the, that's the not healthy. That's when I go toward the nine, the not healthy part of the nine because nines are cool. Nines are cool. Nines are cool. Everybody's cool. That's right. (laughs) Um, But yeah. Yeah. So I think it makes you like, it makes you get real with yourself. (laughs) I agree. Yes, it gets you honest. And you maybe didn't have a way to articulate that that was a motivator or what that was really what was going on in your heart and your mind. Mm -hmm. And suddenly in black and white, you're like, oh, yep, that's it. Yeah, they said it it. for me. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't want to say that, but yeah, that's it. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Yeah. So if people want to, take the test. And I think you offer something to help them understand it. So what should they do? Yes, there's several different ways out there. Obviously, if you go to simplywholehearted.com, you can find right there, I have a free guidebook for moms specifically. But if even if you're not a mom, I think you're going to want to download this. It's a beautiful resource. It's free. Like I said, it's a free ebook. And you can read in depth about each type. You can also get some clues about what they were like as a child. So if you're at the beginning of discovering this, reading through this material is really going to help you. And it's not going to be as long as a book. I also have a free video guide where you can do a self-assessment where I go through the narrative tradition of what it looks like to understand the Enneagram types. I even have a 15-minute consult that I can do on Zoom with you if you're like, okay, can you help me? I think I'm this. I think I'm that. And then another a great book to read. Not only do I have information on my podcast, you know, because I do, I did spend several different times where I spent one whole episode on just one type because I think that is important and it's a lot of work, but it was worth it. But there's a good book out there. It's called, I would call it a primer or a primer, if you will. And that's called The Road Back to You. Ian Cron and Suzanne Stabile, they wrote that together. It's not from a faith-based perspective, but they both have some faith standings or like guidelines that they live by that I think gives some of the best way to just, if you want a book and you can get it on Audible or just, you know, Amazon and get in hardcover. That'd be a great place to begin. That sounds great. Now, when people come to you, should they have taken a test already? I often say, no, don't take a test. I like to um, not only give my free video guide, but I have usually three or four questions that I ask people that gets us in talking about some things that helps me give clues to guide them to the right type to discover a little bit more. 
Okay. Well, that's super helpful. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. And yeah, like I said, I love this. I love personality tests and I like this one because it makes you get real, like we just said, but also it brings us back to our relationship with Christ Amen. and what might be keeping us from having a richer and deeper expression there. And so, uh, yeah, I think, I think this is great. So thank you so much for spending some time with me today. Thank you, Yvette. And I just want to say, I think you are living your best life and you are just a beautiful example of what a three can live and be and be motivated when you're living as adopted and a beloved daughter of the King. Well, thank you. I I appreciate that so much. It's true, girl. Thank you for listening to Positively Joy today. Go to PositivelyJoy.com for inspiration, encouragement, and past episodes. Follow the podcast and review and subscribe wherever you go for podcasts. Don't forget to check out our cool merchandise with our new logo. And also on the website, go to the talk tab and leave us a message on what you love about Positively Joy and what you'd like to hear in the future. Again, thanks so much for being with us. Bye for now.